Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from the October 2022 uh, edition of the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Our story today is entitled A Family on Mission. The entire magazine this month is about Uzbekistan, a family on mission. After examining a family photo hanging on the wall, the policeman turned to Zamira with a sneer. You look pale and skinny, he said. You have to be sick. A few minutes earlier, the policeman and his colleagues had pounded on the door and brandished a search warrant. Ignoring Uzbekistan's custom of removing shoes when entering a house, they trampled through the apartment, searching drawers and closets as Zamira and her three sons cowered in the living room. It wasn't the first time police had raided their home, but it never got easier, especially when Zamira's husband, Atumurat, was away. Pastor Atumurat and his family have endured years of intense government scrutiny because of their Christian faith and work, and the continuous stress has deeply affected Zamira causing depression and the significant weight loss cruelly noted by the policeman. After making a mess of the apartment, the policeman warned Zamira to stop practicing Christianity. All you have to do is be like everybody else, he reminded her. Nobody would come and disturb you like this. As Christians, Zamira and Atumurat stand out from other Uzbeks, most of whom are Muslim and consider biblical Christians a fringe sect. Zamira became a Christian through the witness of her mother, who had come to faith in Christ while working in Russia. When Zamira became a Christian as a teenager, she knew of no other believers in her town. She prayed for a Christian husband, but had no idea where she might meet a Christian man. During her second year of university, Zamira became attracted to a Muslim classmate named Atamurat. She daydreamed about him while picking cotton with other classmates, as required by most schools in the country. And then one day, while working in the field, she saw Atamurat riding toward her on horseback. Smiling, he reached down and helped her onto the horse. I shared my faith with him after we rode the horse, Zamira said. Although she tried hard to persuade him of the truth of Christ, Atumarat remained skeptical. He considered himself a Muslim. And for two and a half years, Zamira prayed for Atumarat and continued to share the gospel with him until he finally placed his faith in Christ. I married him the week after he became a believer, Zamira said. The young Christians knew no other believers in their area and autonomous region with its own language and culture. But after graduating from universities, Amira and Atumarat spent a year at a Bible school before returning to their hometown. Atumarat then began translating the Bible from Russian into their native language, Karakalpak. I began with the Gospel of Matthew, he said. All things opened for me when I was thinking how best to translate. It is the best Bible study, in a sense, when you translate to another language. It's a much deeper Bible study. When I started to understand, I wanted to share immediately what I just learned. By sharing what they were learning, Atamarat and Zamira led several friends and family members to Christ, including a friend of Atamarat, 
who had initially rejected the gospel. Man, I cannot accept Jesus because I have wealthy and influential relatives, the man said. They would never let me do this. But then, heeding God's call, the friend showed up at Atamarat and Zamira's house in the middle of the night. I cannot sleep, he said. I have to accept Jesus. If I die now, I am going to hell. Zamira and Atamarat eventually formed a small house church, which for four years went seemingly unnoticed by authorities. By 2007, however, their church had grown to 30 people, and persecution against Christians was increasing in the area. Some were scattered and were meeting two to three people at a time, Adamarat said, but we were still meeting. Police raided Christian meetings with growing frequency, confiscating cell phones and laptops before hauling Christians to police headquarters for hours of interrogation. Inevitably, the church's leaders were required to pay fines. The raids were especially scary for Zamira when Atamarat was not at home, uh, such as the time the policeman told her that she looked unhealthy. Somewhere in 2007-2008, the authorities started monitoring us, Atamarat said. After that time, for ten years, they watched us really closely. The increased scrutiny caused Atamarat and other leaders to change tactics. Instead of gathering regularly in the same place, they changed locations each week, sharing the next meeting place by word of mouth. One Sunday morning, when they had no place to meet, Atamarat prayed that one of the church members would take the risk of inviting the other church members into his or her home. Lord, where do you want to meet your bride today? Atamarat prayed. Soon he received a phone call from a woman in the church. Using their code language, she said, I, I had a birthday three days ago. Please come. That day... Eighteen church members met in the home of the woman who kept the church's accounts. But no sooner had the worship and sharing begun than the police burst in. They searched the home thoroughly, finding a Bible lesson on the printer. Then they took the believers to police headquarters and questioned them one by one. As the Christians waited their turn for interrogation, they decided to continue their interrupted worship service at the police station. We started singing, Jesus will overcome in our native language, Atamarat recalled. We even took the offering because we didn't have time to do it earlier. I remembered how I had prayed in the morning, Lord, where do you want to meet your bride? Atamarat continued, and that second it became obvious that the police station was the place that he had prepared for us. That was the start of a 10-year stretch of persecution. The next several years were increasingly stressful as Atamarat and Zamira faced pressure from all sides and lived under constant threat of arrest. Complicating the work of parenting their three boys, their home was frequently raided and they struggled to support uh, church members who were facing the same family and social pressures. Then in 2017, the church faced its first major crisis. On the morning of January 5, police raided their church meeting and arrested the four families present. Because prayer requests were posted on the apartment walls, 
Authorities fined everyone 40 times the normal amount for an illegal meeting and sentenced the men to 15 days in prison. When Atamarat and the three other Christian men arrived at the prison in April to serve their sentences, they were immediately scolded by the prison warden. You betrayed your faith, he told them. Atamarat's cellmate, a member of a banned Islamist group, had never met an Uzbek Christians. And when Atamarat shared stories about Jesus with the man, he would stand up and pace the room, asking questions as if awakening to the truth. What is clean food and what is unclean, he asked. Citing Jesus' words in Matthew 15, Atamarat explained that a man is defiled by what comes out of his mouth rather than what goes into his mouth. When Atamarat and his cellmate received their once-daily meal, Atamarat thanked God for the food and the person who prepared it. And then by the third day, his Muslim roommate volunteered to pray, repeating Atamarat's prayer and closing in the name of Jesus. The prison warden called Atamarat into his office three times, and each time Atamarat asked God to give him the right words to say. When the warden asked him if he knew he would be going to paradise, Atamarat replied that he was 100% sure. I have attended mosque for 20 years, the warden said, and I know every major spiritual leader in the area. None of them can say they are 100% sure. How in the world can you say that? Because Muhammad never gave a promise, Atamarat answered, and then explained that only Jesus gave the promise, that whoever believes in him will be with him in paradise. The prisoners worked in the fields almost every day, and at night Muslim teachers came to preach Islam to the four Christians. After deciding one particular man among the four Christians would be the easiest to convert back to Islam, the warden had prison guards beat him until his arms and legs were blue with bruises. On the last day of Atamarat's sentence, the warden called him into his office and showed him three Bibles, one in Russian, one in Uzbek, and one in the local Karapakpak language. You guys say Jesus is the Son of God, the warden said. This is not in the Bible. Oh, it is, Atamarat replied, and he began reading from First John chapter 1. Then, when he had finished, the warden said, This is why we don't give church registration to you. If we do, many people will want to join you. Well, the day after Atamarat was released from prison, he met a, a front-line worker who arranged for him and his family to travel to a neighboring country for a much-needed rest. Years later, Atamarat told the front-line worker how that time had helped him, Zamira, and their children recover from the trauma of his brief imprisonment. And Atamarat said the retreat also brought clarity to his confusion about whether he had done anything wrong. When I was sitting in jail, and for a while after my release, I was preoccupied, wondering what I should have done differently to prevent being arrested and put in jail, Atamarat said. But after the retreat, I saw clearly that God had made sure I was in the right place at the right time. Atamarat was one of the last Christians in Uzbekistan to be imprisoned because of his faith. 
The country elected a new president that year, and restrictions on Christians have decreased significantly. Now, Uzbek Christians experience persecution mainly from family members and others in the community. Atamarat's church was given official registration in 2020, and they now have their own building. A group of foreign Christians who had been denied registration in 2005 offered their long, vacant church building to Atamarat, along with everything inside. The church already had pews, a sound system, and everything they would need. It was like a promised land, Atamarat said, a house we did not build. It felt almost awkward, like it was not ours, but someone else's. Each Sunday we meet now in that place. The church building became a gift and blessing not only to Atamarat's congregation, but also to two other congregations with whom they freely share the building. And today, Atamarat and Zomira maintain a steady, faithful witness. In addition to their work with the church, Atamarat leads a sports ministry in which the players pray before each match in the name of Jesus. After persevering for years under difficult circumstances, they are grateful for improved religious freedoms as they joyfully pursue the work that God has called them to in their hometown. While proclaiming the gospel in their city is still dangerous, Atamarat and Zamira are dedicated to sharing God's truth with their neighbors. Each family member, including their boys, injects the gospel into every interaction with others, and their work is bearing fruit throughout Karakalpakstan. Well, if you want to be put on the mailing list and receive free your own copy of this VOM newsletter, just contact the folks at VOM. That's at VOM.org. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun here. This audio is being released on the 19th of November, 2022. Lord willing, we're going to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.